At my darkest moments, I remember the feeling of complete helplessness most of all, an apocalyptic sense of loss of control. My instinct was to fix it all. That's what I do, my gig, so to speak. I'm super mom, don't you know? But not this time. No, now all I could do was breathe through each catastrophic moment, hoping somehow it would all magically fix itself. I couldn't move. I could barely raise my arms enough to embrace my son. I longed to hold him together. It was like being tied to a tree and watching your entire world, all that you have worked for, burn to the ground and being forced to watch, unable to rescue but a memory. I could not run away from it. I could not deny what was happening. The muscles in my body ached from the tension, stress, and sheer panic of what was unfolding. Nail marks covered my hands and arms from trying so desperately to hold on, but there was no escaping it. All I could do was let go. You're listening to the Uncalled Impact Show. Welcome to another episode of the Uncall Empath. And in today's episode, I have a special guest by the name of Jojo Marie. And uh, she has quite the story that you guys do not want to miss. Um, it definitely hit me hard when I heard it. She's going to be talking about how she overcame adversity, health issues that she faced, and uh, being in bed for almost 1,460 days, which is definitely not easy. Um, I had an injury way back then, so I can definitely empathize. Um, and we're going to be talking about how her brain injury pretty much left her bedridden. She's a motivational speaker. She has an amazing book that's out. Um, she's going to be talking about how she's made sense of it. And she also inspires a lot of people through her um, motivational talks. So definitely, it's an honor to have you, Jojo Marie. How are you doing? And welcome to the On Call Empath Show. Thank you so much, Raj. It is my pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for the invite. Absolutely. So, you know, that, you know, this, this podcast, you know, it's, it's about, you know, struggle, um, emotional trauma, um, anxiety, depression, dealing with everyday life stress. And that's something that I'm sure that you've faced in your life. And there's so many things that I do want to ask you, but before we start, um, if you can kind of go back and just tell us, you know, exactly your story and how it started just for the audience to give reference to just kind of tell us like exactly what happened with you. Sure. Um, very quickly before I give the medical, I will say in terms of the empath and feeling and absorbing, I had a childhood of uh, living in extreme fear because of a childhood trauma. I absorbed everybody's energy. I was one big stress ball my entire life. But I suffered for 30 years with neurological symptoms that were not diagnosed. And they were dismissed, they were put under the carpet. And I kept saying, no, there is something wrong. There is something wrong in my head. It isn't right. And I kept being told that I was being irrational. I was hormonally charged up. I had stress, anxiety, nerves, inner ear virus. Until one day, I found myself to be 
pardon me, um, completely bedridden and I couldn't move my body. And I'm talking, I couldn't move my pinky without violent illness. I was like a rag doll. I couldn't stand. I couldn't lift my head. And people say to me, oh, you couldn't stand because you were so weak. But no, it wasn't because I was weak. It was because my body and brain no longer had a clear connection. So I equated to remember back in the old days when we had the dial sets and you'd put it on a UHF channel and you'd have a snow screen. Yeah. That is what my brain was. It was a snow screen. There wasn't a clear signal from my brain through to what they call your vestibular vestibular system, which is basically the system in the inner ear in the deep part of the brain that constantly recalibrates and balances you. So you take information in through your eyes, ocular, it goes through your vestibular Mm. system, it makes sense, um, and your brain then recalibrates your body. And I lost a third of mine. So if I tried to sit up, I would collapse. Um, I didn't Mm -hmm. know how to stand. My body didn't know how to stand. So when I began rehab, it was 30 seconds of rehab a day. That's all the brain could tolerate. And then I would get violent migraines. I would be left in the fetal position Mm -hmm. for a good 24 to 48 hours before I could then begin to try again. So I had to learn to lift my head, to sit up, to stand, to walk. It was my son who helped me uh, with my first steps in a walker saying, you know what, mom, I'm teaching you to walk the same as you taught me. I mm. Then in a walker, um, learning to multitask. And um, it, it was basically like a stroke. So you repeat right. the exercises over and over again, right? So people ask me what my brain was like. And I, I equated to doing the exercise of repeating the alphabet. So if I asked you to repeat the alphabet, A, B, C, D, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, it's very easy. But now try to do it backwards, starting in the middle with the letters upside down. That's how my brain was was working. So, um, you know, I mean, I could go on and on, but basically the rehabilitation, this is where the 1,460 days comes from. Because took that long to get me in a walker it was grueling so that's the basis of the illness itself right and I mean that's just the illness but the mental part of it must have been horrific for you you know just probably getting the runaround from the medical community and not getting any answers and and that's something that I'm really passionate about and I'm very vocal about is you know the healthcare system at least in the U.S. um it's not the best, you know, it's more of a, you know, giving you like medication and, you know, if, if anything you go in, it's like you're in and out and, and it's, I know it's not anyone's like doctor's fault, but it's just how it is and and things need to change in that aspect. But what I want to just kind of get at is what was the actual medical condition? What, What were you diagnosed with? I was finally diagnosed by the Faculty of Medicine's UFT, uh, University of Toronto, I should say, um, neuroscience department with a one-third vestibular deficit. So I had a vestibular disorder. Vestibular is like I was I was mentioning, it's um, the inner part of the brain connected to the colloquial system that mm-hmm. basically recalibrates your balance. So I had lost one third of mine. So um, that basically means that part of my brain died. 
Mm-hmm. And it's through the blessing of neuroplasticity, which neuroplasticity is relatively new medicine that tells us that the brain is in fact not hardwired. We can teach a new part of the brain to, to take on a new task. And that's exactly what we did. The problem is the brain resists that challenge. Right. It says, no, nah, I don't really want to do that. And you go, yeah, but you really have to. And it goes, no, nah, I really don't want to do that. So it's repeating over days, weeks, months, years, until finally the brain goes, ah, okay, I give, I'll do it. The problem being my situation was exacerbated from an emotional standpoint, because my, my entire system, my entire being was saying, Jojo, you've been doing this for too long, Mm. carrying the stress, the anxiety, the fear from childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was basically my whole body, my system, my central nervous system shorting out along with my vestibular. So trying to get through brain rehabilitation when you don't have a strong support system, my my marriage fell apart during um, this whole ordeal. I had been married for 20 some odd years And it was a challenging marriage to say the least, and it did not stand the 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 pressure of such a debilitating and and trying illness. And one thing I do want to point out, um, even personally and people that I've had on this podcast, you know, the mind body is is so much connected that I mean, I suffer from severe chronic back pain and um, it comes and goes. Um, but sometimes it goes away and then I get like maybe a migraine, but there's also something that went on, you know, previously, like you said, childhood trauma, or like you're going through a divorce. There's something there that's kind of like in the unconscious. And, um, I've had, you know, TMS doctors and therapists and coaches on this podcast who say that there is a link between you know, our mental status and our illness. And I think that's where the disconnect is right now in the medical community um, with doctors and things like that. I mean, you know, they're good at, you know, you know, prescribing medications and, and diagnosing, but when it comes to, you know, asking and sitting down with a patient saying, Hey, yeah, I know you have this illness, but let's let's go a little deeper. What's going on in your life? Are, have you been through any abuse? Are you going through a divorce? Um, are you under stress? You know, and so I think if we treat the root cause and go through that, um, obviously this is not medical advice. This is just for informational purposes. But I, I mean, after talking to so many people on the podcast, professionals, there seems to be something that keeps on popping up. So. I guess my question to you is, I mean, resilience, that's one word that comes to my mind, but more importantly is you, you basically were in bed for weeks, hours, minutes. What was going through your head? I mean, just let alone like weeks, but I mean, I'm talking years. What happens to you mentally? Is it something that you just kind of give up? Where did you get your motivation from? You know what, Raj? First, I'd like to address what you said um, about the mind and the body. I think if we believe that the mind and body are two separate entities, we're fooling ourselves. And I do make the disclaimer, I am not a doctor. This is not medical advice. Um, This is strictly personal opinion. 
I believe that one is synonymous with the other. And it's about holistic wellness. One feeds the other. Physical feeds feeds emotional, emotional feeds physical. Um, for me, it, it caused that total breakdown of both my vestibular system, my central nervous system. And when I was in that bed, it basically broke me. Because for years, for 40 some odd years, my, and, and so many of us, my um, MO, my method of operation in life was distract and run. So fear stimulus would come in some sort of trigger and, you know, distract myself by being busy, being a mom, an entrepreneur, a wife you know, a granddaughter that took care of my grandmother, you know, the community volunteer, the school activist. Um, and all of a sudden, I could not distract myself from being because I couldn't be any of those things. All I could do was be in the bed. And I had to be in the bed with all of myself, all of my fears, all of my anxieties, all of the things, all the cinder blocks of life that I had been trudging through with. All of a sudden, here they were, and I had to deal with them. And when I couldn't move, because you have to remember, for almost two years, I laid in the fetal position on my right side, not moving. So you're left with yourself. I had no radio. I could not because the, the auditory nerve was so hypersensitive. No radio, no computer, no TV, no talking on the phone. So I was left with all of me and it terrified me. And, you know, there is, um, would you humor me in allowing me to read a, a 30 second piece Please. of the book? Go ahead. Um, because it, it kind of sets the stage of of what I was feeling in the bed at that time. At my darkest moments, I remember the feeling of complete helplessness most of all, an apocalyptic sense of loss of control. My instinct was to fix it all. That's what I do, my gig, so to speak. I'm super mom, don't you know? But not this time. No, now all I could do was breathe through each catastrophic moment, hoping somehow it would all magically fix itself. I couldn't move. I could barely raise my arms enough to embrace my son. I longed to hold him together. It was like being tied to a tree and watching your entire world, all that you have worked for, burn to the ground and being forced to watch, unable to rescue but a memory. I could not run away from it. I could not deny what was happening. The muscles in my body ached from the tension, stress, and sheer panic of what was unfolding. Nail marks covered my hands and arms from trying so desperately to hold on, but there was no escaping it. All I could do was let go. And, and that Raj says it right there. It came to a point where I had to face it all. I had to let go of what I was clinging so tightly to. Because even when we feel fear, when we feel anxiety, stress, and when we have it for so many years, Raj, that is normal for us. That yeah. is normality. That is comfort. Right. So even though it was dysfunctional, it's what I knew. And the bed that the wall that was beside my bed, I literally clawed down to the drywall screws, trying desperately to get out of this 
this trap I found myself in. I ripped my arms and legs with my nails, trying to escape the body that I was in. And how do you go through those moments, those minutes, Mm. those seconds, those hours, weeks, days, months, years? You do it breath by breath. And it, it came to a critical point because I actually contemplated suicide. There were Tylenol uh, left at the side of the bed uh, by a caregiver recklessly. And I put it in my hand. I was about to put it in my mouth. I saw, you know, the picture of my son on the wall in front of me. And I thought, is this how it ends? Hmm. And it was in that second that I made a decision to stay. That is truly remarkable. I mean, thank you for sharing that. I mean, I mean, I can't even imagine. I mean, I had my moments, but nothing, um, nothing quite like that. And for you to come out of it on the other end and write a book, and now you're kind of you're inspiring so many people. I mean, I really commend you for what you're doing, but, you know, one thing that I want to tell somebody who's listening right now that might be on the fence, no matter how bad or, you know, whatever you're going through in life, especially after this pandemic or, you know, job or divorce, you know, just raising your kids by yourself. What I mean, it is very stressful life that we live right now in 2021 with so much going on. And if you're on the fence, just know, like, I mean, the reason why I have this podcast and have, you know, great guests like you on here is to motivate and let people know that you're not alone. You can turn your life around and you're living proof of it. And so there has to be a time where you either you, you check out or you go the other route and you fight. And obviously you started fighting I want to know if you can just tell the audience, what was that aha moment in your mind? Can you describe that exact moment and what it felt like and what put that spark back into your soul to keep moving forward? Well, you know what, Raj, I think it was my aha moment definitely was when I I decided to put the Tylenol back in the bottle and throw the bottle across the room. I decided to stay here. and. That decision, our decisions come in that nanosecond, right? And that's how quickly we can change our trajectory. And I'm not saying it's easy, but I'm saying for me, it was, do I keep going left? What happens if we're, we're driving in a car and we keep just turning the wheel to the right, hmm. right? What happens? We go in a circle, right? right? All of a sudden we're on NASCAR, <laughs> on a NASCAR circuit going nowhere. And I kind of thought to myself, I can keep going right and do what I've always done and get what I've always gotten or face the fear, let go, go into the unknown and go left and possibly get something different. And what I have learned is that no matter how dark our day is, no matter how dismal our life feels, no matter how bleak it seems, life can change in a second. And that's so powerful. You know, what we say to our, in our minds, you know, it, I mean, I believe 
whatever dialogue that we have, if we keep feeding it fear, you're going to keep going in that circle. And hey, you know, I've, I've been through it myself too, because I'm learning um, from all my guests. And, and I know that what we, what we surround ourselves with, what we say out of our mouth, what we think about, that's what we're going to become. So if we're always like afraid, under stress, trying to avoid certain things and trying to be comfortable in a, away from all that, that's still not going to go away until we face our fears, just like you did. And, you know, I hope anyone that's listening, any of my listeners that may not, you know, ha- going through something this extreme, but like still, you can't minimize it if you're still facing fear, worry, doubt, anxiety, depression, whatever you're going through. So switching gears here a little bit, Jojo, just to kind of wrap up, um, if you can just uh, talk about the five pillars of transformation, I know that um, you speak about this in your book, but I wanted you to maybe go into it a little bit more in detail if you can just kind of explain that to the audience because I was really fascinated with that. What I utilized were were five words that were gifted to me, and I now um, refer to them as my five pillars of transformation. Trust, acceptance, gratitude, commitment, and liberation. When they were gifted to me, they they were gifted in in the vein of through the vein of love and and James DeRoche, who gifted them to me, said, "Jojo, you got to d- dissect them." find out the meaning and make them your own. So for me, when I talk about trust, it's trust in myself, in the strength of my mind and my body to conquer and over and overcome absolutely anything that is thrown at it. But it's also trusting in a higher power, which for me is the universe. Like I said before, it may be any deity, uh, God, Allah, Buddha, Um, And it's deeply trusting that they've already figured out what you cannot possibly wrap your head around. When I talk about acceptance, it's it's about accepting where you are in this moment and knowing that it's okay. It's accepting that life doesn't look the way you thought it would, or perhaps the way you think it should on those egocentric days that we all have. When we can accept and allow life to bring us naturally flowing to where we're meant to be, we save an incredible amount of energy. Because otherwise, when we're fighting where we are, it's like swimming upstream. It is exhausted. Mm -hmm. It gets you nowhere. There is nothing you want upstream. When I talk about gratitude, now keep in mind, this is, you know, one in two sentences that I'm, I'm, I'm giving quick synopsis of these pillars. But when it's, when I talk about gratitude, mm-hmm. we've all, we've all done the gratitude um, exercise, five things you're grateful for. It's sunny. It's, it's the birds are singing. I can walk, I can breathe. I have people that love me and that's wonderful. Gratitude on any level is mm-hmm. great but it's where the magic happens because the magic happens when you can be grateful for the struggle, when you can reformulate your hurdle into a gateway and know deeply that there is a gift on the other side. There always is, even if you can't see it in the moment. And when I talk about commitment, it's about being fiercely committed Mm -hmm. to the first 
pillars, trust, acceptance, and gratitude. It's being committed to the energy you will allow into your space. It's being committed to the energy that you put out to the world. Sure. It's, it's really being committed to your thought process. And in the end, you have the fifth beautiful pillar of liberation. And that's what happens when you implement the first four and you are liberated, not just from fear, but you're just liberated into this new life, this, this authentic life of who you're truly meant to be, where you've shed all the fear, the cinder blocks, the armor that we armor up with. And it's an incredible life that I live now. I've come out the other side, a more loving, compassionate human being. Um, bitterness is not mm-hmm. part of my life. Embrace forgiveness of myself and others. And my missing piece is really my life story from three years old when my father was killed in a in a trucking accident to my rebirth after the bed years yeah. and my journey of authentication. And I it's it's meant to empower, motivate, and mm-hmm. inspire people to not give up. Well, I will say that you know you're a remarkable. Um, and now you're sharing your story to help others and inspire others. Um, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to be on this podcast, but before we take off, um, if you can just tell our, my audience, um, where, where they can find you. And, um, if you want to just leave your link for your social media. Sure. Um, you can go to my website, which is simply jojomarie.com. You can find me on Facebook at simply jojomarie, and you can find me on Instagram at simply jojomarie. And uh, it has been a pleasure and honor to be on with you, Raj. <laughs> your, your, your compassion, your heart is big. You can feel oh, it through the screen. Thank you. <laughs> and, and if I can leave your listeners with a a thought is that you are an incredibly powerful person the strength always resides within and Mm. change it always simply begins with you very well said all right guys i hope you guys got something out of it i certainly did and you know one of the reasons i i have these uh you know episodes is is just to give people hope, you know, just know that recovery is possible. You're hearing it right here on the podcast. And if you don't think it it could happen to you, it can. So just keep moving forward. You always could reach out to me. Just know you guys are never alone. With that said, stay tuned for the next episode. Also, if you don't, please uh, give me a review on Apple um, reviews. That really helps me out keeps me going on this uh, podcast episodes and keep pumping them out um, and give you the the great content and the great uh, guests that that people want to hear. So um, with that said, stay tuned for the next episode. And we are out. You're listening to the On Call Impact.